Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello again from the Cannes Film Festival. It's Michael Leader here, broadcasting from the Little White Lies flat in the old town, right next to the Church of Cannes. So if you do hear any bongs in the next 10 minutes or so, do not worry. It's just the hunchback of Cannes. <laughs> Notre <there>. Cannes. <laughs> hunchback of Notre Cannes. You've heard a voice here on the second <laughs> microphone. It's Hannah Woodhead joining me. Hi. Hi, Hannah. Hi. This is your first Cannes? Yes, it is, yeah. How is it going? Good. It's very strange. I feel like I've been here about 200 years now and it's really been, what, a week? Mm -hmm, I don't know. mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's kind of, in comparison to other festivals I've done, it's a lot more manic, a lot more queuing involved, a lot more old men who really want to tell me about like, well, I've been coming 20 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's great. Everything has been going a lot more smoothly than I thought. I've not got shut out of anything yet. Oh, perfect. Which is a rarity, it seems, among uh-huh, people uh-huh. I've been talking to. There's a lot of uh, shout outs been happening. Yeah. The queue for the lighthouse last night was two and a half hours long. And yeah. yeah so I've done okay so far. That's Seen, perfect. I think I'm on film 20 now, so... 20? Yeah. I think I'm into the teens. <laughs> the teens now. I think the last time we did a dispatch last week with Charles Promesco, we'd only seen maybe three or four films. So That's how it happens. It's definitely like, gathered pace over the yeah. last few days. What sorts of things have you been seeing? Oh, gosh. What day are we on? We are on Monday morning. It is Monday, Monday morning. morning. See, this is, <laughs> this is the problem with Cannes. Like, I lose all sense of... Any film festival, you just lose all sense of time because all you're doing is thinking about everything in terms of movies you've seen (laughs) and I've had to make a list on my iPhone because I don't most of the stuff you'll see at any film festival Mm -hmm. is not Mm -hmm. great so but things I really liked I really liked uh, Jessica Howes's new film Little Joe Mm. I really liked the new Nicholas Winding Refn TV show which screened episodes four and five here which was vaguely confusing Mm -hmm. but I'm keen to see more of that when it comes out. And then yesterday, I think, was the best day Mm -hmm. so far at the festival because we had Robert Eggers' new film, The Lighthouse in the Morning, Terence Malick's new film, A Hidden Life at Lunch, and then Celine Sciamma's new film, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, in the evening. So it really was like a a solid three, like, top-tier film day. It felt like it finally gathered momentum yesterday with those three big films so yeah we got up very early to be at the front <laughs> of the queue for the lighthouse yeah we, we were sort of the second group of people in the line 
I didn't enjoy that waking up at half past six and being in the queue for seven, but mm-hmm. I am told that as part of the can experience. Totally so is. I'm fully ordained now. And judging by the kind of the weight people had in the evening and there were problems with projections with the screening in the evening, I think we definitely made the right call in kind of waking up and mm-hmm. uh, marching like zombies down to uh, the croissette, which is a good sort of 15 minute walk with pastries and double espressos on hand yeah so we we're, did we're we, prepared. we prepared yeah but it was worth it 100 percent worth it i think watching that film at 8 45 in the morning <laughs> on this really sort of dreary day was the reason you come to Cannes to watch yeah. this kind of film that is utterly insane and watch it with you know you're, you're kind of loads of your friends and mm-hmm. all come out and be like we have just seen something that is amazing well we knew very little going into this there was just one production still with robert pattinson and willem dafoe with a pipe both looking quite like ornery and uh, mm-hmm. old <laughs> is there a one-line description we can make of this film now well i think peter bradshaw kind of said it best when uh-huh. he compared it to steptoe and son um <laughs> it is I, I, you know i don't know if i can do a one-line description but it is just two men go to a lighthouse for for a month <laughs> and things happen yeah. um it's very you can compare it to so many things you know there were direct allusions made to the ancient mariner there mm-hmm. are literal references to uh, herman melville and moby dick mm-hmm. there are references to um prometheus and yeah. greek mythology there's so much kind of there but it's not it's not even subtext or like oh what, what does it all mean i think it's a very open film and it's mm-hmm. very like everything is right there which is kind of why I loved it I think we're so used to films being these kind of tricky beasts that we have to like sit down and be like "Mm, yes but what is the deeper meaning of this Mm -hmm. whereas Robert Eggers is just sort of like yeah here's just a weird film I made which is quite unlike anything I've seen in a long time it's not really a horror film in the way that the witch was a folk horror film yeah this is just like a, a tragedy i guess it's mm-hmm. it, the only thing i can kind of compare it to is like the the old um epic poems that you would get you know or Edgar Allan Poe's kind of short yeah. stories that's that's the vibes i was getting from it but it's just two guys in extreme weather conditions talking and yeah. drinking and sharing stories reminded me of uh, the scene in jaws where quint is talking yes. about his experiences you and a lot the of it is that. and the hollering and the <laughs> and it's written in this incredible yeah. dialect from the late 19th century cribbed from texts of the time yeah i think we saw in the witch like robert eggers has this amazing gift he wrote this with his brother as mm-hmm. well and he has this amazing kind of interest in research and it totally shows through and everything in the film feels like there's a thought behind it and nothing is kind of left to chance and mm-hmm. getting to watch defoe and pattinson kind of just go at it for two hours is such a treat because yeah. they're both outstanding actors and they have this incredible like manic chemistry together and there's an amazing scene with a seagull it's just it's the gift that keeps on giving that film because you're like how much weirder can it possibly get and then something else will happen you're like oh okay okay I, I see I did not expect to see that coming a lot of physical comedy that I wasn't like toilet humour as well really so much toilet humour mm-hmm. which you know your mileage may vary on that but um, <laughs> I think everyone that was in that cinema was so kind of pleased that they'd seen the movie mm-hmm. and the Q&A that they did afterwards was really like insightful and mm-hmm. you know Q&As can often go either way especially at film festivals exactly. but this was like you know it was very funny and it gave us a a, I think a good insight into kind of 
how laborious this film was to yeah. make. Willem Dafoe won't stop saying how hard it was to shoot this movie. Yeah, and he's a, he's a guy who's been there. Yeah, yeah, you know. He's been around the block. He's been around the block, and even he was like, yeah, this nearly killed me. <laughs> but yeah, that I mean, so starting off right yesterday with that, and mm-hmm. then going straight into the two-hour queue for the Terrence Malick film was... So I didn't go and see the Terrence Malick. I'm not a huge fan of his, but this is a three-hour-long epic set in the Second World War. Yeah, so it's about... Um, an Austrian farmer who became a conscientious objector and defied the Nazis who wanted him to enlist. Well, mm-hmm. you know, they called mm-hmm. him up for service in the dying days of the war. So it would have been, I think it happens in four, 1943. Okay. So yeah, it's um, his sort of long gestating film. I think people have been saying, yeah, we'll see it at Cannes for like three years now. Mm-hmm. And finally we got there. It's August Deal and Valerie Pachner, who I've not seen in anything before. I don't really know her story. But anyway, they played this couple. He's called Franz and she is called Franny, uh, Fanny rather. And they had this really idyllic life in the Austrian mountains with their three gorgeous little blonde moppets in this village called uh, Ranagund, which was the original title of the film as well. Mm-hmm. But then everything is upended when he is called away to war and refuses to pledge allegiance to the Nazi party and to Hitler. Because there's a whole kind of, I guess, element where it's like, well, you don't have to fight. You could go and, you know, work in a hospital. But he says, no, I would still be betraying my beliefs to support this in any way. I'm not a huge Malik fan, but I think when he's just telling a story straight with no kind of like tree of life style mm-hmm. like weird diatribes i think you know he is a filmmaker with of incredible sort of empathy and he tells this like sweeping love story over the course of four years with just a staggering amount of like heart and it's a very small story you know it's literally one family out of all the families in europe that were affected by the war and he manages to sustain this for three hours. It never dragged for me. I was totally sort of captivated mm. by what was happening. And he kind of covers not only this romance, but the idea of like what makes a good man, you know, religion. And it's just, there are so many huge ideas and grand speeches in the film, but it still feels like very intimate and very beautiful and poignant without kind of, falling away into sort of sentimentality and um portraying this story as like as heartbreaking as it was it, it's full of a lot i think adam mentioned this in his review for little white lies that it's so full of light and color and even these kind of settings like the um detention camp and the prison that um franz is sent to are kind of bathed in light and green and it's really interesting to kind of see what is i guess on a in loose terms a war film kind of so keen to highlight the good times as well as the bad so yeah for me it was everyone's saying oh malik's back malik's back this is a return to form but you know it's kind of did he ever go away you know (laughs) i uh but it certainly sounds like if you weren't a fan of his more recent mm, song to song etc i hated to the wonder and Mm. i think this is if you like the old school Malik, then it's it's definitely more of that ilk. You that know, he's just good. telling this really quite incredible story mm-hmm. in 
the sort of beautiful way that he does tell stories. He's oh, you know, fantastic. So that was film number two yeah. of, of what was turning out to be a great day. A great day. And while you were seeing the Malik, I was seeing the new Celine Siama film in competition, which is the Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. She is, of course, one of the great filmmakers working today. I don't think she's made a bad film to date with Tomboy and girlhood and um, such a diverse filmmaker as well water like, lilies you know. as well well it's interesting she said when girlhood came out she'd made so three coming of age films in a row she said her mm. next film would not be like this and it's nothing <laughs> and like it that it isn't but it also kind of is mm-hmm. like there is that element of these two young women kind of finding themselves but it isn't a coming of age story and it's in the 18th century and it is yeah <laughs> and it's quite formally buttoned down mm. and emotionally so for some time it's about these two women and one woman who is uh, contracted as, a, as an artist to paint a portrait of a young woman who's about to be married off into society yeah. and they form a relationship yeah they have this very sort of at first a kind of strange dynamic where the mother of this sort of noble woman has told the young painter to paint her in secret so Heloise the mm-hmm. um, the lady who is to be painted does not want to get married to this Milanese nobleman. So she's making it very difficult for them to paint her portrait. And uh, I guess that's the first sort of half hour is Mm -hmm. just kind of them sort of uh, staring each other down a little bit and kind of trying to suss each other out. But then it expands into this really like, God, I I, want to use the word beguiling, but I feel like I've called several films at this (laughs) festival beguiling. But it is, it's a really beautiful and awe-inspiring love story and it reminds me of so many other films but yeah it has this very sort of distinct visuality to it there's so many kind of amazing scenes in it which in sort of lesser hands I think could come across as quite like overwrought but Mm -hmm. in Skiyama's hands they're just you know like for a film about painting everything in it kind of looks like a still life if you took any still from this film you know it looks gorgeous i think there's one released at the moment which does look Mm -hmm. like a you know a painting but But it just does the work early on dramatically so that in the second half of the film it can build to such intensity Mm. sensuality but then also have certain scenes that just incredibly profound about being a woman artist being a woman subject of an artist and the dual gaze of being looked at but also looking and it's wow it's incredible you saw this in the evening at the press screening and i saw it in the afternoon at the the actual grand theater lumiere premiere oh that must have been incredible it really was standing ovation it really feels it's part of being wrapped up in by the can bubble i guess but it feels (laughs) like this is undeniably powerful and must win something by the end of the week. And it's in competition. It is in competition. So, you know, I think this is the first thing that I've seen that is a real contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pain and Glory was really good as well, which I watched just before I came here. But um, this to me is such a kind of formally, like, incredibly accomplished piece of work. But there are moments in it that just take your breath away. You know, the, I think the ending is one of the kind of most stunning endings to a film I've seen in a very long time there's a scene kind of midway through the film which feels like a bit of a bolt from the blue but in a really kind of good way where there's this uh, choral chant which has been written for the film which is just kind of hypnotic and the use of uh, Skiama's kind of I don't know who the the cinematographer was Mm. on this but my god (laughs) some work has been done you know you get to see the origins of the title of this movie in a kind of really incredible scene and I just it's 
nice to find a film that even when you have watched 17 films in the three days previous still takes your breath away and feels like something that was kind of made just for you even when you're sat in a room full of other people it feels so intimate like someone is literally just sort of holding your hand and telling you this story so yeah I mean I was absolutely floored by that I really hope that is one that does run and run and doesn't just Mm -hmm. become another can bubble subject well I, I know that's already has been bought for release in the UK I yeah because an artificial yeah. eye are going to release that so at least that will get a yeah. release and, uh, <laughs> at least people if- definitely get to see that listening to this podcast it, I imagine last year as well it must be frustrating to think like some of these movies unfortunately just mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. get out but that one at least exactly it's nice to be reminded <laughs> as we go into the second week that we're not just jaded cynics <laughs> yeah we, we cinema can still delight us right uh, yeah and you know i think yesterday definitely proved that cinema is it's alive and well you mm-hmm. know there are these incredible filmmakers telling these incredible stories and you can't really say enough what a kind of privilege it is to get to come to can and highlight these stories to people and kind of champion them early on in yeah. their in their life <laughs> and hopefully that momentum can keep going so today the competition films are le jeune ahmed which is the new dardenne brothers film yes they're, they're the can regulars or the new <laughs> film from them is always a highlight but then also frankie the new film from ira Sachs, the new york-based filmmaker yeah, isabel huppert brendan gleason great casting mm-hmm, <laughs> Not, yeah who would ever put those two together i mean exactly but it feels like tuesday is the day Tuesday is, is, is the big day. That's uh, Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then Bong Joon-ho's Parasite in the Evening. So for me, that's like, that's a top tier day. Yeah. Um, it's strange to be talking about these films now after kind of being here a week and still having so many films to go and thinking like, God, it's like, I've still probably got another 10 or so that, I've got to, that I'm going to go and see. Yeah. If the calibre continues to be as high as it has so far, I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. I uh, always feel like there's a constant discourse around, like, every year it can. Like, people are like, oh, well, this year just wasn't a good year. But, like, how can you be so cynical? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, you know... And, and the themes we're seeing emerging as well are really kind of interesting. There's been so much decapitation in this yeah. year's films. <laughs> a lot of kind of, like very strong anti-capitalist messages and a lot of really good queer cinema as well i'm i'm uh, happy to report that i think progress is so slow when it comes to changing uh, the film world but this does feel like more the caliber between the good things you're seeing and the bad things you're seeing there's quite a wide gulf but like the good things are truly like amazing as what? we've uh, seen recently what a positive point <laughs> we have had questions after the last two episodes where we had adam talking about pizza charles bromesco talking about his he's not eating pizza this festival he's eating pasta instead <laughs> what are you eating this can hannah i'm eating a lot of gelato i love uh, i love a good gelato and can has some primo gelato spots you in fact took me to the my favorite one it's so called far. neva yeah neva is great run by lovely staff and they kind of the way they scoop it is like kind of like I don't know. It's just, it's just, artists, it's just yeah, they? yeah. They're 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 not just like scooping it and like there you go, here's your ice cream. There, they're putting love and care Do into it. Do you have a flavour of choice? I had a very nice salted caramel, which mm. I like. That I've got my own a tiramisu. I think I'm going to um, head back, you know, today. And get the, the other thing, which of course the listeners won't get from listening to us talk is that the weather here has been very changeable this week yeah, worse than the uk so, has in the last few days yeah, yeah and we the past few days have just been kind of like drizzle and 
it's a good it's good movie watching weather i have mm-hmm. to say you know you wouldn't want to be outside but um not great for gelato eating but it looks like the sun is out now yeah. so maybe on the way to jeune ahmed we can <laughs> try out some gelato maybe you can have that tiramisu i hope so i really do we had great movies yesterday great ice cream today that would be that's all i want really that's all for want from life. <laughs> hannah thank you so much for joining me today i'm sure we'll chat again before the end of the festival I'm Michael Eder talking here from Little White Lies, flat in Cannes, for Truth and Movies, produced by Seven Digital. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.